like to ask you a question. It is a deep question. It is a deep theological question. You're going to have to think, and it might hurt your brain a little bit, but I, I need to ask you this question. It's very, very important. How many of you don't like it when your food groups on your plate touch other food? Anybody like that? You're a no-toucher? Anybody? Anybody? Raise your hand if you're a no-toucher. Man, I, I, I want the beans to stay over here, the entree to stay here. I, I, like, it's got to all be separated. A lot of no-toucher. Okay, but then how many of you, man, you, you just want everything mashed together. You're, you're a toucher. It's like Mexican food only works if you mash it all together. You've got the beans and rice, the enchilada. It's all mixed with guacamole smothering and baptizing all of it. That's the way you like it. How many of you like all your stuff touching? That's all, most of you, most of you. Now, here, let me ask you this. How many of you have a food journey? You've gone from non-toucher to toucher in life. How many have done that? How many? Yeah, a lot of, that, that was my story. When I was growing up, man, I, I did not want anything touching. And Angie and I started dating in high school. And early on in dating, she, she likes everything mashed together. She looked at me one time and said, you do understand it's all going to the same place. Like, it's going to get mixed together at some point. For those of you that are non-touchers, your favorite plate is that picnic plate with the dividers where the juice of the beans can't get out of that compartment and you've got the ribs or the meat in the big compartment and that other compartment, it's always for coleslaw. Coleslaw, that's what goes in that other compartment every time. And have you ever noticed coleslaw is not consistent? Some places you go and coleslaw is awesome. Other places, it's terrible. I don't know what it is about coleslaw. It's just kind of random like that. Another thing I've noticed is, I know a lot of people that were non-touchers and became touchers. I've never met anybody that was a toucher that became a non-toucher. Never. The journey always goes the other direction. This morning, I want to talk to you about a subject. As we think about being in a new year, the art of the start, how do we start this year well? What do we put in place in our lives to ensure that this year is the best year we've ever lived? And a new decade. What, what can we do as best we can to ensure this decade is set up to be the best we've ever lived. I want to talk to you about a subject that in our lives touches every other area. It cannot be compartmentalized. You cannot block it off in just a part of your life. It touches everything. And, and the subject is finances. If you think about it, if you're married, finances play a role in your marriage. You discuss it. You think about it. You have bills that come in. You've got a process if you're going on a date night or you're going on a vacation, all of that factors. If you're a parent, you think about finances all the time because kids, when they're little especially, outgrow their shoes and clothes. It is unreal. All the time, finances factor in. In friendships, maybe you're not married, maybe you don't have kids. In friendships, if a group of people are going to go out to dinner, hey, can I afford this? Or go into the movie, can I afford this? Finances are on our mind all the time. Now, let me say this. Maybe you're here this morning, and maybe it's your first time at C3, your very first time to come to C3, or you've only been coming for a little bit, and you're kind of thinking, man, I got up on what is a pretty beautiful day, and there's some things I need God to do in my life, and I came to church, and you're going to talk about money. And maybe, maybe on the outside, but if not on the outside, on the inside, you just folded your arms when I said finances. Maybe somewhere in your life, or certainly on TV with a lot of TV preachers, you have watched people that do what I do 
abuse this subject. I just want to say to you this morning, especially if you don't know me, I'm not that guy. I'm not that guy. So if you're a guest here this morning, I don't want you to feel any obligation to do what we're talking about. You get to kind of listen in on what what I believe Scripture teaches, but you don't need to feel any obligation. If you've only been coming to C3 for a little bit, you're not sure what your church is going to be, feel no obligation. This morning, I'm, I'm talking to Christ followers that are a part of C3 Church, people that consider C3 Church as my church. That's who I'm talking to. So if that's not you, you're new to C3, or maybe you're not a Christ follower, just kind of visiting, checking it all out, um, I'm not coming for you this morning. If you're a part of C3, I'm coming for you. And I want us to understand some very important things about this subject because I believe, and I've actually lived the reality, this will change your life. Now, also understand when it comes to this subject, there are a lot of different thoughts. Uh, there are a lot of questions that come up because so many people that do what I do have abused the subject. And so there's going to be a phone number on the screen, and this is for you to text in. If you have any questions about what I'm saying this morning or any questions about this subject, that number is going to be at the bottom of every slide. And so maybe as I'm rolling through the message, you hear something, you think, oh, what about this? Shoot me that question, you can text that question, and this evening or tomorrow morning, I'm going to go online on social media, and I'm going to do a brief video addressing some of your questions, whatever the most common questions were, I'll get to as many as I can. So feel free to do that anytime throughout the message. I want to go this morning to Matthew chapter 6 that kind of sets up what we're going to be talking about. The Bible says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. God understands that in life, we're chasing, every one of us, you, me, we're all chasing something. And we're all trying to store up something. Now, some of you store and spend, store and spend, store and spend, so the storage isn't that big. But we're all trying to store up something. And the reality is for so many of us, We chase things, we pursue things in our financial lives that won't mean jack when this life is over. And so scripture teaches, hey, there's a different way to process this, there's a different way to think about this that's going to benefit you not only in this life, but beyond this life. And so Jesus speaking then says this, remember this is Jesus talking. So scripture already has huge credibility, it's the word of God. You cannot get more credible than scripture The words of Jesus, Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. God knows that we think a hundred times a day and more about financial decisions and financial things we're processing. And what we attach our treasure, our finances to, has our heart. And then, he makes an audacious statement. In verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. What what does that mean? What is he talking about? He breaks it down a little bit more. You cannot serve both God and money. You cannot serve both God and money. You know what's interesting to me about this verse? How many things do you read in Scripture where God says we can't? I I thought the Bible said that through Christ... Nothing is impossible. 
I, I thought the Bible says in Jeremiah 29, 11, God knows the plans he has for me, plans to prosper and give me health and a great future. I, I, I thought all that was in there. Well, to be consistent and to be healthy spiritually, you have to interpret Scripture in light of Scripture. You can't pull a verse here out and pull a verse there out. You, you can't do that. You have to let it all speak together cohesively. And so here he's noting an exception. You cannot serve both God and money. He, he doesn't say it's really hard to, but you might. He doesn't say if you try for a long, long time, you might get there. He says you cannot serve both God and money. So this morning for the next few moments, I want to talk to you about how in this year and why. For this year, new year, new decade, why should I be generous? And if you're here this morning and you're thinking, man, I just, I've got some pushback to what you're talking about. I'm not really with you on this. Don't want to hear about this. I understand. My bride, Angie, is the most generous person I've ever met in my life. She would give everything we have away today. So please don't ask her for anything. Because she will, she will just get, that's just how she rolls. She's incredibly generous. I, on the other hand, growing up and early in our, our years of marriage, early on, I was not. I'm, I'm the guy that says, you want what? You think what? Why should I, when I work so hard for what I have, why should I, when I've acquired, why should I, when I'm in this, what? You, you, what? Failing to realize, who do you think gave me the ability to work that hard? And so I get it if there's some pushback. I'm with you. So I just want to ask the question, why should I be generous? The first one is obedience. Simple obedience. That, that's the main first reason. And let me take you to a couple verses. Malachi in the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 3. Some of you thought it was Malachi, an Italian prophet maybe. But it's Malachi. Malachi says, Bring the whole tithe. What's the first word? Three of you know. Everybody can read. What's the first word? Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Now, why would God say bring? Because in reality, he owns it all anyway. The Bible says everything, every good thing I have comes from God. And while your name may be on your house and your name may be on the title of your car and you, you may think you own things. When you die, none of that's going with you. God owns everything we have. So he, has bring, see, he says bring because it's his anyway. It's his in the first place. It, it'd be like if I borrowed your car and you called me and said, hey, man, I, I need my car. You, you wouldn't say, could, could I borrow my car? If you have some time, could I maybe use my car? You wouldn't say that. You'd say, bring me my car because it's yours. So God has every right to say, hey, bring the whole tithe. Now, that word tithe is an interesting word. Simple terms mathematically, it means 10%, but in Scripture, it represents the first 10%. God wants the first 10% of what I have. Thank you so much. See, you're so generous. You can sing like crazy, and you're so generous. He wants the first 10%. God has this thing where he will not be in second or third place. See, some people, we feel like we're generous if we come in and we're like, okay, uh, I'll, I'll give a little bit. And, and what we tend to do, it's natural human tendency, is we take care of all of our bills, we take care of all of that, and if there's something left over out of that, we'll, we'll toss God a tip. Our God does not desire any tip. In fact, it offends him. 
He desires to be in first place. He will not accept anything else. So what it means in Scripture is the first 10% of my income belongs to God. He says, bring it. It all belongs to him. Now, there's a question. Why 10%? I have no idea. I don't know. I do know that because it all belongs to God, he could have said, bring 90% and live on 10. So I'm really kind of glad he went this way. (laughs) He said, bring me 10%. Bring the whole tithe into the, into the storehouse that there may be food enough in my house. God understands, you understand, I understand. It takes resources to fund the house of God. It takes resources to do ministry. And the more resources you have, the bigger impact you can make in people's life when you're doing ministry in a healthy and correct way. So that's why that's there. Go to Luke chapter 6. It says, give and it will be given to you. What's the first word? Give and it will be given to you. So God paints this picture over and over again. Now, reality is with this verse, if you're a follower of Christ, all he had to say was give. That's enough. Like simple obedience, okay, Byron, give. Okay, you're God. I'm not. You said that I will. But God cares so much right here, he elaborates a little bit. Give and it will be given to you. Why should I be generous? Obedience. Why should I be generous? Another reason is blessing. How many of you hope in this new year God will bless you. Raise your hand. How many of you hope God will bless you? Like, remember, God's watching. If you don't raise your hand, he's like, all right. (laughs) I've never met anybody that says, I don't want the blessing of God. I don't want God to bless me. No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. No, we want God to bless us. Why should I be generous? Blessing. Blessing is the tangible and intangible favor of God in my life. Blessing may well be financial, and God has blessed us all financially. If you look at the rest of the globe, we're freaking blessed. He has, but, but God blesses, God is not limited to financial blessing. In fact, the greatest blessings God can give you and me have no price on them. You couldn't pay for them, the blessing of peace. The blessing of the people he's brought into your life that are healthy and helpful. The doors that God opens in your life, you, 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 you couldn't buy that. So he offers this kind of blessing that is all-encompassing because God is both our provider and our protector. It, it's who he is. And God blesses obedience. Where I invite God into my life, I invite his power and presence into that area of my life. So if you need God in some area of your life, if you need God in your marriage, man, you want a better marriage this year, you're trying to figure out what to do, how to improve it. If you invite God into your marriage, you invite God's power and presence into your marriage. When you look at what scripture says about marriage, you begin to do that, you invite God in, you invite God's power and presence. If you need God in your parenting, man, I'm trying everything I can, but with my kids, I'm I'm falling short, how do I do this? When you invite God into your parenting, you invite God's power and his presence into your parenting. And when you invite, when I invite God into our finances, we invite God's power and presence into that area of our lives. So back to Malachi, better known as Malachi. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. God says, test me. God is talking smack right here. I dare you. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. It's the only place in all of Scripture where God says, I dare you, test me. See if I'm telling the truth. I dare you. No other place do we find this. God is so sincere about this, he wants us to try it and to test him. And let me ask you a question. If you're a Christ follower, you've committed your life to Jesus, you're trusting him with this life, and you're trusting that when this life is over, you don't become a roasted marshmallow. You're trusting that you're going to heaven. How do you know you can trust that? How do you know? 
This is the only place in Scripture that God says, if you do this, here's what's going to happen. Don't you want to know if God's a liar? Don't you want to know if you can believe what God teaches? Here's the way. Here's how we discover and find out. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven. I'm not going to just crack a window. I'm not going to even open a door. I'm going to throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Do you want that? I want that. And then there's another verse. Let me go to another one. Luke chapter 6, the one I referenced earlier. Give and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. This is God talking. Now, why don't we do this? Very simple. We know a lot of people that have met a lot of people that overpromise and underdeliver. Your car warranty expires two weeks before it breaks down. How did they know that? You see all these commercials. Have, have, you, have you seen the ad where there's the phone holder in your car that has the little arms or wings that pop out when you put your phone in and then they close back and it's really, really cool? Have, have you seen that? It doesn't work. I bought it. It doesn't work. We are so used to everything in society over-promising, promising the world and then not delivering. We have faced one disappointment after another, and we've become skeptical about when people say, here's what I'll do. But right here, God is making a promise. And what's interesting about God is you cannot find one occasion in all of history where he lied. In fact, God has a way of saying, this will happen, and blowing our minds beyond that. The other thing is, God will not be outdone when it comes to generosity. God will not have us be more generous than he is. He's God. He sets the pace. God is more generous and God is more resourced. It's who God is. So give and it will be given to you. Okay, so if I give $1,000, somehow God's going to work that out and bring 1000 back. No, 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 no. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. So it, it's beyond proportional. It's something that only God can do. Now, I don't know about you, but I love Frosted Flakes. I stay away from them. I stay away from them, but, but I love them. I don't know if they lace them with crack cocaine. I don't know what's in them, but they're amazing. But maybe you go to the store. Maybe you've been eating healthy. It's a new year. You set some resolutions, and, and you've got your cheat day. Don't we love cheat days? You've got your cheat day. So you go to the store, and you buy some Frosted Flakes, and th this hasn't been opened. Uh, this is Frosted Flakes, and so you go to the store, and you buy it. And when you buy it, you open it all up. When you buy it, what you realize is they promise this, they give me that. I got to go to here to get to Frosted Flakes. Overpromise, underdeliver. But God is so different than that. What, what God says is a good measure, pressed down, pressed down, shaken together. And God is more generous than we are and has more resources than we do. In fact, God's resources are unlimited. So God says, I I I'm going to just pour even more into that. A good measure, pressed down. Shaken together. Because God has more and more and more. He's not limited. And he says, I'm just, I'm, I'm going to make it good measure, pressed down, shaken together. I'm just going to keep doing this, and it will pour into your lap. 
that don't you want to live a life like that? And it's right here. It's right here. The insane thing about this to me is how many of us as Christ followers are living so far beneath our privilege and what God has set up for us to live. He offers it. He says, look, this is the formula. This is all you've got to do. But it takes a factor of trust. Man, you've talked about that verse a few times. Yeah, because some of us need to hear it a few times. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. Now, the word give there is interesting. At C3, we say try it once. When it comes to giving, don't try it once. See, some of you say, well, man, I I tried this whole tithing thing. How long? Two weeks. Two weeks? You know what I've discovered? The tithe will often be tested. See, often it might get worse before it gets better. The biblical pattern for success has always been consistency. If you go to the gym, it's a new year. Man, I want to get in shape this year. You already have a shape, but I, I, want, I want a different shape. I want a different shape this year. And so you go to the gym and you start working out. You're going to be kind of sore. Man, I'm sore. It feels like it's hurting me. I'm not going to do that. But if you press on through the soreness, if you press into the uncomfortable, that's where you grow. And at the end of the year, it'll blow your mind how different you, were, you are than you were at the beginning of the year. So that word give in the original language literally means habitual giving. It's a linear tense verb. It means ongoing giving. You don't just try once you continue to put your faith in God on good days and rough days. You continue to trust God when it's all fine or it's terrible. It is a continual pattern of God. You are my provider. You are my protector. I trust you. You are God. Given it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. But here's what's interesting. I want to be generous this year. I want to be generous in this new decade. But generosity begins with giving, not bringing. See, we're not being generous until it's more than the first 10%. The tithe, the first 10%, belongs to God. In fact, before the verse we read in Malachi, the verse before that actually says if we're not bringing the first 10% to God, we're robbing God. Do you think God, well, let me ask you this. Would you bless somebody that robbed you? If you're a Christ follower, if you're not a Christ follower, you're off the hook. But if you're a Christ follower, if you're not putting God first financially and bringing the first 10%, then you're robbing God. Wait, 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 wait. You're a pastor. I mean, aren't you just kind of manipulating us so that we bring more to your church? First of all, first of all, it's not my church. I didn't die for this church. Jesus did. It's his church. Now, it's my church as much as it's your church. It's our church, but ultimately it's Jesus' church. Secondly, what I would say to you, if you're a Christ follower, you're part of C3, C3 is your church, and you feel like I'm trying to manipulate you, or you feel like I'm tr- I've got some angle where I just want your money, would you please do this but tithe to a different church? See, this is not about what I want from you. It's about what I want for you. And I know the truth of what Scripture teaches, and I know from my own life journey and all the people I've talked to, did you know I get more thank yous and more comments when I teach about tithing than any other subject I cover? Because when people start doing it, it blows, isn't it crazy how it blows our mind when God actually does what he says he's going to do? Oh, I guess you pray for something that happens, oh, wow, why are we shocked? It's God. So if, if, if you think I'm trying to mess with you or I'm chasing your money, give... 
bring it to another church. Now, you can still come here because it's the best church in the world. Why would you miss this? You can still come here, but you can tie it to a different church. I just want you to experience what God wants to do in your life. Now, eventually, you, you, you need to bring it where you're a part of. You, you, you need to be able to, to tithe and give to a church that you believe in. Like if you're going here and tithing somewhere else all your life, what am I going to say about you at your funeral? That's supposed to be funny. First service, they laugh like crazy. I don't know what's wrong with y'all. Seriously, though, everything in me, God knows, this subject, man, it's what I want God to do in your life this year. It's what I want God to do in your life this decade. So maybe you don't know me and you think I have some angle. Tie it to another church. Send it online, mail the check, come here. We'll still love you. We'll still pray for you. We'll go to the hospital when you get sick. We won't take the expressway because you don't tithe, but we'll get there eventually. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We'll take the expressway. Given it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. This promise is made to us from the ultimate promise maker. The, the one who's made promises and never lied. The one who's never broken a single promise. This is how he lays it out. So why should I be generous? Obedience, blessing. I think the best reason is love. Just love. When you say you love Jesus, what does that look like? When you say you love your church, what does that look like? How, how convincing is your love? Now, I'm, I'm going to press in a little bit. Because part of my responsibility is to lead us where we need to go, not where we want to go. If you say you love your church, and you come and sit and soak, and you don't serve, you don't don't pray for it. You don't invite anybody. You're not invested financially. Do you love your church? If I said to Angie before we got married, hey, babe, I love you so much. I promise you five nights a week I'm coming home to you. <laughs> you think that would last? No, no, no. Everything we love costs us money. Everything you love, your hobby costs you money. Everyone we love costs us money. Parents with kids, spouses, Friends, everything we truly love costs us money. I remember years ago, I, I'd spoken in some other city, and I was flying back to Orlando, and I was in the Washington, D.C. airport, Dulles Airport in D.C., and the phone rang, and it was Angie, and she was crying. What's wrong? What's going on? We have dogs in our home. How many of you, how many of you are dog people? How many of you are dog people? Yeah, dogs. I'm all dogs. How many of you are cat people? Why? <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. I think Judas had a cat. I'm pretty sure I read that somewhere. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We have, we have dogs in our home, and I, I'm a big dog kind of guy. I, I don't know if we have the I don't think we have the picture. Shot. I don't think we have it. But I, I have a, an English Mastiff that's a puppy that when he's full grown will be over 200 pounds. And then I have a Cane Corso, which is an Italian Mastiff. She's about 90 pounds, and she'll, she'll rip your head off. She's been trained. She's, she's dangerous. I like big dogs. Angie currently has a rat, I mean a Chihuahua. She has a Chihuahua <laughs> that's about three pounds. But years ago, she had a little Maltese. That Maltese was about three and a half pounds. It was tiny, a little white fur. Can you all see that? I don't even know if you can see that. The tan one is Diesel. That's the English Mastiff. He'll be over 200 the gray one is Valkyrie. Valkyrie means God of war to Vikings, so you, you don't mess with Valkyrie. 
We don't have a picture of Coco. <laughs> you get the picture. But years ago, Angie had this little, uh, this little tiny Maltese, white, furry, little three-and-a-half-pound dog. And, and so when she called me, she said, something's wrong. She named him. It's very hard for me to say his name. She named him Sugar Boy. <laughs> her decision, and I love her, so we roll with it. I just never called him. But I, sugar, I, I, it's hard to say. But she said one of the kids found him. He was laying down. His tongue was out. They thought, they thought he had died. She picked him up. It was late at night. I, I'm in the airport trying to get back to Orlando. And she said, I'm on the way to the, the overnight vet clinic, the overnight vet ER, whatever that thing is. Now, what, I, what I've discovered is the overnight vet is more expensive than crack cocaine. <laughs> but on the way, you know what she asked me? She's on the way. We think that the dog is alive but barely hanging on. You know what she dared to ask me? How much? You know what how much means. Like, what, what's the limit here? I, I was shocked that she asked me that, but I was, I was more shocked that I had a number. <laughs> I had a number. I'm not paying for this dog the rest of my life. We're not taking out a second mortgage. We're not like, it's a dog. All dogs go to heaven. That's what I've heard. It's going to be fine. <laughs> I can't say that about cats, just dogs. <laughs> But I, I told her the number. Now, here's the reality. If she had called me and it had been one of our two daughters or two sons, we're on the way to the emergency room. First of all, she would never ask this, but if she did ask, or she got there and the doctor wanted to talk to me and said, hey, what, what's your number? I don't have one. You take everything I've got. You take my house, you take my cars, you take my debit card, you take everything I have, and if it's not enough, I'll figure out a way to go find more. I, I, it is unlimited because I love them. When we have a number that's below what's necessary, it is a limited love. When we have a number that's below, God says, bring the first 10% to me. It's not a financial issue, it's a heart issue. Do you really trust is he really God in your life? If your number's lower than that, you have a limited love. Giving is a heart issue. It's not a financial issue. Now, when it comes to tithing, if you, if you say, man, I'm, I'm unemployed right now, let me ask you a question. What's 10% of zero? Zero. Or, or maybe you say, man, I look at my bills and I look at where we are, I just... I just don't have it. I mean, I, I would love to. And this is where I've discovered most people are. Most people, it's not that we're stingy. It's not that we don't want, don't want to obey God. It's that we just can't figure out how. We, we look at our lives, and maybe it's unfair circumstances, or maybe it's choices we've made in the past, and we think, how in the world? Th this is impossible. There's no way I can do this. You know what I've discovered? After talking to tons of people, because you see, as a pastor, I get a front row seat to people's lives. I hear confidential things that I can't share in this room. And you know what I've discovered? I've discovered even in my own life, I live far better on 90% with God's blessing than 100% without his blessing. If you're in the room and you think, I'm in a mess and I can't do this, if you're in the room and think, man, things are so jacked up, there's no way I can make this work, you need this more than anybody. Because where you invite God into your life, 
you invite his power and his presence into your life. And don't you understand? I understand. We understand. You can get out of that much better and much faster with God's help than without it. So as we begin the new year and new decade, the art of the start is obedience to the one who wants to bless us. 